We are up to Mitzvah number 127, and today we're going to do 127 and 447. This is an interesting mitzvah. It's a very large subject. Again, we are in Leviticus, so it's going to be related to the temple and sacrifices. And this is the prohibition against encroaching on consecrated things. The temple has money. It has assets. It has sacrifices that are designated for the altar. And if someone comes and misappropriates that and uses it for something else, that is a violation of mitzvah number 447. And the penalty, or at least part of the penalty for encroachment, for infringement on consecrated things is mitzvah number 127. So there are things that belong to the temple coffers, sacrifices, possessions of the temple, even sacrificial or consecrated food. And that cannot be misused, misappropriated, misallocated. You cannot encroach upon that. This is prohibition number 447. The verse is talking about the elevation offering. Of course, the elevation offering, the Ola, it's completely offered on the altar. No part of it is eaten by humans, unlike all other sacrifices. Though it is true that the Kohanim, the priests, they get to keep the hides of those Ola offerings, but the actual meat, the flesh of the animal, completely burnt as an elevation sacrifice to God. And the verse tells us that you're not allowed to consume it. You're not allowed to partake in this meat. And if you do, you are violating this mitzvah. This is found in Devarim chapter 12. And this idea of not encroaching upon the elevation offering is actually expanded to include everything that is owned by the temple coffers or that you're not supposed to touch or partake in. It's the possessions of God, so to speak. You cannot partake in it. You cannot encroach upon it. You cannot misuse or misallocate. Now, what's interesting about, one of the things that's interesting about this mitzvah is that unlike most of the mitzvahs that relate to sacrifices and the temple, Leviticus, most of them are not applicable today. We don't have sacrifices. We don't have a temple. But if a person were to say, this animal, I hereby consecrate it, I hereby dedicate it, I designate it as a sacrifice for God, that actually carries weight. And that animal would have a degree of holiness assigned to it that you would not be allowed to partake in that animal or misuse it for any non-sacred things, which means you have to kind of let it go and you cannot use it or enjoy it. Now, if someone does that, if someone violates this mitzvah number 447, the consequences are stiff. Now, if a person does it accidentally, they don't realize what it is. They thought it was regular meat, not sacrificial meat or whatever it may be. Then they would be obligated to, of course, repay to the temple to God, so to speak, what they took. That's the principle. There would be a penalty that's levied upon that. A fifth would be added. So they're going to have to pay the principal plus a fifth. And in addition, they're going to have to bring a sacrifice, an atonement sacrifice, when they violated temple property accidentally. So three things. Repay the principal pay a penalty of a fifth on top of the principle, and a sacrifice, an atonement sacrifice, 
And this is actually going to be mitzvah number 129, so we're going to get to it soon. If a person does it willfully, not accidentally, they do it intentionally, they knowingly, willingly partake and encroach and misappropriate temple property, then they do not have to pay a fifth penalty. They just pay back the principal, but and they don't have to bring a sacrifice either, but they are lashed. They receive malchos. They get caned 40 times, but they only repay the principal. You cannot embezzle from the temple coffers. And if you do, you will pay. If you do it accidentally, this is 25% penalty on top of a sacrifice and on top of the principal. If you do it on purpose, you will be severely punished with lashes. And of course, you'll still have to repay the principal. There's no sacrifice and there's no penalty, but you're not going to win. We don't partake in what is not ours, of course, and certainly not when it is the property of the Almighty on high. So this is Mitzvah number 127. It's a requirement to pay the penalty in addition to someone having to repay the principal. They have to pay a fifth on top of the principal if they consume or benefit from any consecrated goods. Of course, there are different types of consecrated goods. The consecrated goods could be an animal. It could be an animal that was already processed for slaughtering. It was already, it was already slaughtered. It was already processed. And now it's supposed to go on the altar. It could be other items that belong to the temple. You cannot encroach on it. And if you do, you have to repay it and add a fifth and bring a sacrifice. This is the asham, the guilt offering of misappropriation. And just, even though we're going to get this in a few mitzvahs, this is one of five different crimes where a person would be obligated to bring a definite asham offering, which is mitzvah number 129. There's also a conditional asham offering as well. And we'll get to all that in due course. Now, the Sefer Chinuch, the book that we are using to study the 630 mitzvahs, and every mitzvah, he tries to give us a reason. You know, what's the idea behind it? And what he says over here, it's a very understandable idea, is that this mitzvah is about deterrence. If you know that there's a stiff penalty for misallocating, misappropriating consecrated items, you'll be extra vigilant, extra careful to not accidentally infringe upon that. You know, you think about what we have today. You have these blinking lights by the school zone. You know, in, in Texas, there are different lights that tell drivers what to do. There's a green light that says you're supposed to go. And then there's a, a yellow light and then it depends. If it's blinking, it might mean there's a school zone. And for some reason, in Texas, everyone slows down for the school zone. If it's a red light, it means you're supposed to stop. But what happens, unfortunately, in Houston, as we know, they took down the, the red light cameras. So if no one's there, unfortunately, you kind of see it all the time. People are flying through the reds at an alarming rate. But my, my son... Akiva, my oldest son, he's 15, and in Texas, you can get your learner's permit at 15. So he is now driving. In completely unrelated news, I just had to replace my car. Not related at all to that bit of news, of course. But I told him, I said, Akiva, you see these lights? If you get a fine 
I'm not paying it. You're paying it. There's some deterrence. It's important to have deterrence so people don't do things that will incur penalties or fines. And I would, I would think that in the temple, there's an extra need for deterrence because there is a tendency to be more lax in this crime. You know, you think of it as a, as a victimless crime. It's owned by the temple. It's owned by the public. It's owned by God. There's an extra need to make sure people don't misappropriate it. And therefore we have this mitzvah. If you accidentally encroach upon it, you have to make a sacrifice and pay the fifth penalty. If you do it on purpose, of course, you only repay the, pr- the principal, but you get lashed. Now, the Sefer Chinuch, as he always does, he offers us a sampling of these laws, of the laws. Of course, it's just a small snapshot. There are many myriads of laws and lots of advanced uh, study that we could do, inquiry into this mitzvah. But one of the things he tells us, very interesting, is that under certain circumstances, misappropriation of temple property can happen only once. And the reason for that is, under certain circumstances, if a person misappropriates temple property accidentally, he would incur the penalty to pay the fifth and the sacrifice. And under those circumstances, the item that he misappropriated actually gets deconsecrated. It loses its sacred standing. And therefore, if a second person comes and does the same thing, the second person would not be guilty given that the item has lost its sanctity. The the initial violator, with their encroachment, with their misappropriation, deconsecrated the item, and thus when the second person comes around and misappropriates it, it's not an item that bears the sanctity that would require this whole law, and therefore they are not guilty. However, if the person, the original person, the original infringer, if they did it intentionally, they're not obligated to make a sacrifice, the item is not deconsecrated, and then the second person can still be Guilty, which is an interesting idea that when someone does encroach, it can actually change the standing and the status of the item. Another law he tells us is that if you just, let's say, take some money, you would not be guilty. You have to deploy it, you have to use it. So if you give it to your friend or use it to buy something, that would be misappropriation. But if you just hold it, then you could just put it back once you realize, obviously and you would not be guilty of this violation, and you won't need to pay the penalty, and you won't need to give the sacrifice. Now, very interesting and very important principle for for all of Jewish law, there is a certain minimum amount of benefit that one must derive before they are liable. And uh, what he tells us here is, this is quoted from the Talmud, is that there is a certain denomination, there's a certain dollar figure, if you will, that is the minimum amount to be considered currency. It's like the, 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 the lowest amount of value possible. It's called a pruta. And anything less than a pruta, you will not incur this asham, this sacrifice, and this fifth. 
and this flogging when done intentionally, you would still be required to repay, even if it's less than a pruta, but there is a certain minimum amount, minimum bar, a baseline, a floor that is needed in order for this law to be applied. What if we have a sacrifice and after it's processed, like many sacrifices, parts of it are put on the altar, parts of it are given to the Kohen. There are many different sacrificial animals and processes that would apportion part of the meat to go to the Kohen. The Kohanim were keeping the Atkins diet way before, way before it was in vogue. So there is a situation where you have you have sacrificial meat and it can be enjoyed by the Kohen, but it is prohibited for the non-Kohen, for the ordinary Jew to consume. Suppose you have an ordinary Jew that does encroach upon that and does partake in what is not allowed for them to eat. They eat from what only the Kohen is allowed to eat. Under those circumstances, given that this particular meat has departed the domain of God, it's no longer sanctified to God, so to speak, to the temple, and it's now consumable by a human, that deconsecrates it to a certain extent and removes it from this law of misappropriation of the sacred. And even if it subsequently becomes impure, and it becomes non-consumable, it's prohibited to be consumed even by the Kohen, nevertheless, once it departs the domain of God, so to speak, it is allowable to a human, in that instance, it would no longer have this particular set of laws of the prohibition against misappropriation of the sacred. If someone is unsure if they encroached, in that case, there is no sacrifice and no penalty. Now, this is interesting. How how do you measure a fifth? The penalty you have to pay is a fifth. So you and I would say, well, if the, if the benefit, the inappropriate benefit was $100, then you would have to repay the principal $100 and a fifth, which is 20. That's what we would all say. The calculation works a little bit differently. It's a fifth of the post-penalty total. Now, if, if I, if the principal is 100 and I pay a penalty of, of 20, a fifth, then all you have is 120. And the 20 out of the 120 is a sixth, not a fifth. And thus, the way this calculation actually works is when you have a principal of 100, you would actually pay 25, and thus, the total you would pay is 125, and the penalty part of that is a fifth of the total that you pay. And thus, after it's all said and done, post money, the penalty amounts to a fifth of the total that you have to pay. So I think this is a, an interesting idea. Of course, it's very foreign to us, the whole idea of sacrificial items and items consecrated to the temple. It's a very foreign idea, but I think it's a useful idea as well that it's important for us to be aware of what we're doing, make sure we don't take what's not ours, of course, 
and realize that if there is a, there's lax, laxity, if people are not taking something so seriously, then a penalty perhaps would be appropriate because we don't want to violate uh, any, uh, any law. We don't want to do any crime against God or any other person. Now, there's an interesting related law about someone who steals willfully a vessel of the temple. Obviously, this is a unconscionable crime. But suppose you have someone who steals or tries to steal a vessel of the temple. This is one of the very few instances where a person can be subject to extrajudicial execution. The Talmud lists a very small amount of people that you don't need to bring them to court. You don't need to go through any sort of judicial process they can be executed right there and then amidst the act of the crime. And once this person is someone who tries to steal a vessel from, from the temple, this is not something that the based in, that the court deals with. Anyone who's there has the right and the ability to execute the person. And in the words of the Rambam, the first person, to put the person down, to put the criminal down, is meritorious. This is not something that we take lightly at all. And it's an interesting uh, bit of information to know that there are some laws, a few laws, very few laws, that carry with it the penalty of capital punishment outside of the court, extrajudicially. And one of them is if someone tries to steal a vessel of the temple. Now, I will note that there is an opinion in the Talmud that says that if someone misappropriates any sanctified thing, be it a sacrifice or any other possessions of the temple, used for upkeep, for maintenance, they would actually be liable for the death penalty. This is an opinion of Rabbi Judah the Prince in Sanhedrin 83a. The halacha follows the majority of the sages that it's only lashes, but regardless, it is very serious not to misappropriate anything that's been sanctified. And if that does happen, there is the penalty plus the sacrifice if done accidentally, and then there is the repayment of the principal alone and lashes if done willfully, mitzvah number 127 and mitzvah number 447.